Hello, my name is David Kiley, or DK, founder of DK3 and Soul of the Game. Welcome to the Wheel Print Podcast, created to uncover the inside game of adapted athletes, their untold stories of what drives them and makes them tick. So be prepared to be inspired, educated, and move to tears or laughter as we discover the trials and triumphs of the human spirit. Now it's time to sit back and enjoy this podcast. DK in the house. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of the Wheel Print Podcast. Today's guest, Ms. Becca Murray, arguably one of the best, if not the best, female wheelchair basketball player to ever play the game, is going to be our guest. And I'm honored because she's a close friend. And here she is. Welcome, Becca. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You better believe it. It's going to be a fun time for everybody. Uh, So let's just jump right into it. Uh, Let's have you tell us what it was like growing up being Becca Murray as a young child and and what was that life like? Sure, yeah, I'll go way back. Um, So I was born with spina bifida. Um, so had it all my life and, um, being a child with spina bifida was interesting to say the least, just because in my smaller town, I didn't really have anybody else that really looked like me or anything like that, um, in a wheelchair. So, um, but my friends were awesome but I couldn't really join in in any sports during like recess or anything like that. Um, But a lot of my friends were into sports. And so I was like, I want to do that. So I would say to my mom, like, I want to play sports. And so she did a lot of research about um, what was available to people in wheelchairs. And we actually found an organization called Independence First. And my first sport was actually um, hockey. Uh, So I got into that and I just loved it. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, what other sports are available? And they're like, well, we have ice hockey, we have softball, we have basketball. So I tried it all. Um, But basketball just, I don't know, I fell in love with the sport, the team aspect of it. And um played that recreational until I was 11 years old. And um, then when I was 11, 12 years old, we went competitively into the NWBA and again, just fell in love with the competitiveness. I loved traveling. Um, It was awesome. So that's a little bit about my childhood. That's perfect. But tell me about the hockey. Was that sled hockey? No, it was actually just street hockey in your wheelchair. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah. I played a little bit of that. I never did any sled hockey, but you being from up north, I wondered if uh, by chance uh, sled hockey was happening then. But uh, that's that's interesting that that was your first sport. But Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it's pretty common up there for youngsters to get involved with hockey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I uh, 
you know, I look back when I first met you, uh, I don't know if you remember, but, um, it was at, uh, Illinois, uh, summer camp and it was an elite camp and I was an instructor and you were, uh, a player and, uh, uh, but you, you were pretty quiet then. And, you know, so I went through that, 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 uh, that camp, uh, seeing you even coaching you a little bit, but it wasn't until after much longer after that, your name started to pop up, uh, particularly when I was 2009, 2000, early 10, when I was selected as the head coach and they kept talking about this Becca Murray. And I was like, who is this girl? You know, I didn't put two and two together, from the time uh, that I actually had met you uh, until I first laid eyes on you after that. But do you recall that summer camp and uh, about how old were you then? Well, gosh, I cannot remember. I remember going to elite camp, but yeah. I, was, I was probably like 15, 16, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And with all the boys that were there, Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was, uh, that was then. And then, okay. So what was your first junior team? Uh, it was called the Milwaukee Wheeling Wizards. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And so it, it, was it a pretty easy choice then to move from juniors to being a Warhawk? Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, I've been to Whitewater's wheelchair basketball camp ever since I was 11 or 12 years old. Um, so the campus, the people that were there, it all just felt like my second home, basically, to me. So when Tracy Chinowith, who was the men's wheelchair basketball head coach at the time, right. was like, hey, I want to start a women's wheelchair basketball team, but I need you to help me. I didn't even think twice about it because I wanted to go to Whitewater and I just thought it would be like a phenomenal opportunity to help build the women's wheelchair basketball team there. Well, that's, that's awesome that you were on the ground breaking end of uh, that development. And yeah, uh, Tracy is a a great man and I, I go way back with him and he's done a lot of powerfully good things for the sport. Uh, but, uh, what about uh, competitively? Uh, when did you uh, win your first national championship there? Uh, first national championship was in 2012. There you go. There you go. How yeah. was that? Um, it felt amazing. Um, I always say, like, it means a lot more when you have to start from the bottom. And like we were at the bottom when we first started the yeah. wheelchair basketball team at Whitewater. Um, we were all rookies. We didn't have anybody to really show us like what the college ball life was like. Um, so we all just learned together, put in lots of work. Um, you know, our first season, I don't know if we even won a game. So to build up to that 2012 season and like finally win the championship, it just felt amazing that all that hard work paid off. Yeah, I can totally relate. I know uh, 
I coached uh, the beginning of a junior program here in Charlotte uh, and a prep team that we just took it on the chin for a season and a half before we ever won a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then as those kids grew into uh, the junior division, you know, we won a national championship in Denver. And to look at that road from, like you said, where you just got beat up on and, and, Oh, for the season and then mm-hmm. to a national champion is pretty special. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to uh, other uh, young girls and or women who are looking to go to college in terms of advising them about uh, and wanting to play wheelchair basketball? Is there anything that jumps out at you that you could, uh, try to give tips to uh, somebody that's got the dream of going to college? Um, Yeah, just work hard. Um, Nothing to me is out of reach. Like if you want it bad enough, you might have to work hard at it. But I mean, anything you put your mind to, you can do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we know you have done that, young lady. Uh, (laughs) Uh, so when was your first national team, you know, playing for the U.S. Paralympic or the U.S. women's team? Yeah, my first um, national team that I made was in 2007 that went to Rio de Janeiro for the Parapan Games. And I was 17 at that time. Wow. Wow. And then uh, then on to what, Beijing or Greece yep. or? Yep. Beijing Be- was in 2008. Yeah. For Beijing, that's right. Mm-hmm. So you played for Ron Likens. Yep. Yep. And then uh, 2012, you played for me. <laughs> and uh, we were fortunate and, and blessed in 2010 to win that very first world championship uh, yeah. that had uh, eluded uh, the USA women for nearly two decades or better. Yeah. Uh, so that was very special. Uh, and uh, so you then, you know, then you go to Rio, correct? Yeah. In 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me um, let me take this moment to uh, share uh, what a teammate uh, had to uh, say about you. I've done a little homework, Beck. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is uh, from yours and my friend, Nat. Uh, I think we all know that Becca Murray is the best player in the world. That goes without saying. The thing about Becca is that is truly incredible is that she's also one of the best teammates in the world. Her greatness never gave her a big head or a snobby attitude. She has always just put in the work and done her best to help her teammates play at her level. Becca is also the most composed player I've ever played with. She has naturally calm demeanor. Anytime I felt like the game was getting away from us, I'd look at Becca and she'd tell me she wasn't worried. (laughs) It was like her composure was contagious. Oh, you know, how does that make you feel? Awesome. I mean, I really look up to Natalie as well. We were co-captains here for my last year um, with USA, and it was so enjoyable to be co-captains with her. 
So it means a lot. <laughs> yeah, she is, uh, you know, she's, she's quite a woman, a mother, a wife, and, uh, and uh, extraordinarily uh, has anchored that, uh, the big spot in, on the U.S. teams for quite some time and still an extremely great player. Yes. Um, so you're in the system to 2016 and, uh, you know, we know what's coming up in 2020. We'll get to that in, in, in a minute, but, mm-hmm. uh, tell us about, I, I, I mean, I was in the system for decades, you know, uh, mm-hmm. three, um, you know, into the fourth decade. And, so I kind of know about the grind, but why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? You know, uh, it, it's not, everyone thinks U.S. team, you know, and but I don't think they really realize the sacrifice, mm-hmm. the balance of family, school, work, uh, employment. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you speak to some of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I had a unique opportunity to see from 2007 to 2016, the resources that we've gained. Um, Because in 2007 and 2008, we really didn't have like a conditioning person, we didn't have a nutritionist, we didn't have a sports psych, it was pretty much um, a long weekend training camp. And then you go home and you do what you need to do to be your best. Um, and then in 2012 and 2016, I feel like we started getting those resources such as somebody that, um, is strictly looking at the weight and conditioning and the nutrition and the sports psych. Um, and those resources have just been awesome. Um, you know, to have somebody that specializes in those areas and really helps you. And I really think like the mental part of the game gets looked over a lot of the times. Um, we had a sports psych and then once I retired in 2006, I heard that like went away. And so a lot of us older players that decided to come back this past year for Peru, we're like, we need to get a sports psych. Like it was awesome to have a sports psych. So like, we need to get that back. Like the mental game needs to be a part of the whole process. And so we were lucky enough to get a sports psych back. Um, So it's been quite a range of resources since I started on the national team. And it's awesome to see where the wheelchairs basketball and sports have gotten recognized to receive these resources now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, just, uh, over time, uh, is that something you really embraced or were there the challenges, uh, uh, involved, uh, you know, with training and, uh, such? Yeah, it was something that I really embraced. Um, Nutrition. I didn't know much about nutrition. And to be honest, when we first brought a sports psych person into the mix, I was kind of nervous because I thought it was going to be us having to talk about our feelings and like all that sort of stuff. But it was more of building a chemistry together off of the court, which is extremely important. Um, So I really enjoyed that. 
um, with the sports psych. And I learned a lot about nutrition and what's important when and all that sort of stuff. So I really liked the resources that we gained. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, uh, you know, our, our unaware or our able-bodied listeners to know that a lot of the same resources that uh, go into the Olympic version of basketball playing and or athletes are also associated now uh, with our sport. And uh, it really uh, lends itself uh, to one's ability to be really effective at training and, and, uh, and be supported. You know, it wasn't always like that. Trust me. Right. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, I, uh, Becca, have uh, I've been quoted and I still believe it to this day that I've told uh, that you are the best mid-range shooter that I have ever seen, men or women. And that blows a lot of men away, trust me. Uh, (laughs) But it's what I I believe. And I think there's others that could uh, back me up on that. Uh, we, you know, having coached you and seeing your unconscious calm way of, of stringing one basket after another, uh, what's the mental, uh, what mentally could you pass on to, uh, somebody that wants to shoot like you, what, what's going on up in your noggin? uh, with shot one, shot two, you know, and, and getting into the zone? Yeah. Um, it's a lot of like almost out of game preparation. Um, you know, for this last year we were required to put up like, I forget if it was like 2000, 3000 shots a week or something like that, um, to build that muscle memory. And so once you build that muscle memory, um, you don't really have to think a whole lot about it because your body just knows what it has to do. Um, Also, a lot of people are surprised because I've talked to some of my USA teammates this past year or so um, because they asked me the same question, like, how do you get so good at shooting and stuff? And it's a confidence thing. And they'll be surprised when I tell them that, like, I believe that every shot will go in. Like you have to believe that every shot is going to go in. I might not, you know, verbalize it or anything like that, but I do have that confidence in myself that I'm going to take this shot and it'll go in. Like you have to have that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I totally see that in you. And uh, as uh, one of many coaches, I think we all, believe what you believe you know is that you're saying i'm gonna make this shot you're taking it we're going she's gonna make that shot you know and uh so uh that's just quite a blessing uh let's go to let's go to a coach and just see what she had to say uh stephanie wheeler uh gold medalist rio coach head coach As a coach for a team that has Becca, there's nothing easier than game planning offensively with confidence because you knew you you knew you could count on her to produce. I remember going into Rio games feeling confident because we had Becca. And as a coach coaching against a team with Becca, 
that means she's coaching University of Illinois and playing against you or something of that nature. There's nothing I hated more than having to game plan against her because I knew she was going to wreak havoc offensively and make our day difficult. But honestly, no matter if you are coaching her or coaching against her, you know that she's such a great human being that cares so much more about being a good person and a teammate than the incredible athlete she is. And that's what makes her special, not the awards or the accolades or anything material like that. It's the fact that what's important to her and what she values drives what she does and who she is. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, so there's a lot to that, uh, Beck. You know, one, uh, I know that uh, not only do you reap havoc in the women's game, but you've played against the best men in in the country or the world in in terms of uh, the game on mixed teams and and DK3, uh, the three-on-three Invitational. And you are respected across the board. You know, there's just no doubt about that. Uh, But I think, again, what the the most important part of what uh, Coach Wheeler said is just who you are. And – and in today's world, when we're so consumed with ego and, uh, you know, what what am I going to get out of it kind of attitude by athletes, it's we need your example. So I just wanted to to say that and tell, tell you that I totally relate uh, to what um, Coach Wheeler's saying. Uh, so having said that, so now, uh, you know, you have, uh, Tokyo in your sights. I mean, I think there was a retirement or, uh, stepping away from the game somewhere after Rio, but then I think there was a change of heart. Trust me, I've been there and, uh, can relate. Uh, the game has a pole, doesn't it? It has a, like a magnet, uh, once you get away from it, uh, but, uh, so now you're in the system again. And, uh, I was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trooper (laughs) was totally happy. COVID happens. Mm -hmm. Tokyo does not happen. And, uh, subsequently you retire Mm -hmm. and, uh, let's just talk about that because, uh, you know, when we see on television, the Olympic athlete and how now some still are trying to train and don't even know if there's going to be games or there's others that had to step away because of whatever, uh, life, age, whatever. And some of that may be in your world. Uh, can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, yeah, in 2016, I was pretty set at like retiring. I um, had won two gold medal, Paralympic gold medals. Um, I loved my experience all the way up to 2016. Um, it was just a phenomenal way to go out on top. Um, so I was happy to go out. Um, and then Trooper kind of was like talking to me and would check in every year. Um, And then in 2019, he 
asked again. And so I actually talked to like Natalie and Megan and some of the girls that I had played on the 2016 team. And I was like, how are you guys feeling? Are you going to come back? Like, what are you thinking? And so we all just kind of like gathered together our thoughts and stuff. And uh, I think six of us decided, yeah, let's go back and do it. So we did. And it was awesome. um, Just because I felt like after 2016, a lot of us like decided to retire. And so again, the younger generation that came on, didn't really have those older veteran players to like really show them the ropes. So I really enjoyed um, bringing those two times together, the older veterans and the younger players. Um, And I really think that they understood like what it meant to represent the United States and how much work it actually meant to put in. Uh, It's hard. You might not enjoy every second in the training and all that but you know the good the good outweighs the bad so like you're gonna have those tough moments and you just gotta stick together stay together um be there for each other and I think they really realized like what it meant and the work to put in and so I enjoyed my year 2019 um winning silver at the Parapan Games in Peru and qualifying for the Paralympics But then the unexpected happened, um, made the team to compete at the Paralympics, and then COVID happened. Um, I had planned on, like, getting a condo, um, you know, and we were talking about sacrifices earlier. It's a lot of, like, time away from your family. Um, I've uh, sacrificed a lot, wouldn't take anything back from it, but like my high school grad, I missed my high school graduation, missed prom, missed all that stuff. So it is a lot of sacrifice. And I just couldn't, I couldn't pull it out for another year. Like I knew I wouldn't give 110% because I was just mentally drained. Like I couldn't do it any longer. So I decided to, it was time to hang it up again. Right, 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 to everybody's dismay, uh, but totally understandable. And that's why I, earlier on when we were talking, I talked about the grind uh, and the sacrifice. It's a, and it's a balancing act, isn't it? And in, in, uh, trying to pay attention to our faith, our family, uh, our, our employment or college or uh, I know you said to me when we we're I was asking you to be a guest that uh, you're working two jobs right now related to making this dream of owning your own condo. And uh, that's admirable. And and, uh, you know, this is uh, what is it? The National Disability Employment Awareness Month. I don't know if you knew that, but it I is. Did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you could speak to to uh, others uh, with a disability uh, about how to be a, a, a attractive to employment, you know, um, how, is there anything that you do uh, that uh, you could advise others to uh, seek employment and get it? Um, just putting yourself out there. Um, I know 
It is like, again, you know, even at my workplace now, I don't have anybody that has a disability. I don't like, so it's hard to put yourself in another environment that you're not used to and be like the only one with a disability, but you have to put yourself out there and don't be nervous. Like know that you can do the job and that, um, you know, your employer, because I had this too, they weren't sure I was going to be able to, I work in the mental health field. They weren't sure I was going to be able to hold my own in that field. Um, but my, the person that hired me actually just gave me a compliment saying that I was one of his best hires that he's had. Um, so yeah, if he would have just had that interview, saw me as a girl in a wheelchair and never really gave me that opportunity. Like he never would have seen like what I can actually do. Man, that, that may be the most uh, powerful part of this, uh, um, this podcast of what you're saying, uh, because that's so important, you know, as, as we look to uh, be a contributor in our society uh, and, and work, uh, for something and, and having the chance and uh, all in the same changing people's mindsets, you know, and their reservations. So that's very cool. Uh, what uh, what's Becca's future look like? Um, well, I did hit my goal of getting a condo. So I'm in that whole process of, you know, getting the home inspection and all that. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm super excited about that. Um, Career wise, you know, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Yeah. But I would like to move up, you know, and always strive for more and better and things like that. So I'll probably have to revisit that shortly and see what else uh, might interest me. Sure. Moving up and getting better. Sounds like a Becca Murray mantra to me. Uh, (laughs) So why don't you uh, consider telling us something that we don't know about you? Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, is there anything (laughs) we used to have these little things on on team bonding moments where we'd say to each other, like, hey, tell us something we don't know. And uh, I, I really look forward to this question by the way. (laughs) I feel like I have to deliver big or (laughs) it can be whatever it is, but there's got to be something that people don't know about you. Um, well, I already told you my favorite or my first sport was hockey, which a lot of people are. Yeah. That did surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, a huge part of my life is family. I would say like, I'm a huge family person. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a surprise or not, but no, no, I've (laughs) met your parents, your brother. And, uh, I saw the family, uh, uh, priority in your life. So that, that makes sense. Uh, how about this one then? Uh, let's, uh, say there's a gym full of little Becca's. (laughs) What are you going to tell them? follow your dreams and your heart. (laughs) And that's what I always tell kids, 
you know, you're going to have these bumps in the road and obstacles. Everybody's going to have them. But if you truly want to do something, you can do it. Yeah. So we, we know that, um, you know, being, um, someone, a a young girl or boy with a disability, they're going to have to buck up and, Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to have to face the world with confidence like you talked about. And, uh, so, uh, I hope they really hear that from you that, you know, you went through your struggles and your challenges, face them. Uh, sometimes they probably didn't feel that great, you know, but at the same time, uh, you rose above it and, uh, you became, uh, uh, who you are today. Uh, and that's, that's saying a lot. Uh, so, uh, I got one more, uh, one more quote or, and I, I, I got to get to this cause, uh, it's from Trooper Johnson, the current head coach of the, the Paralympic women's team. Um, first off, Becca was the quietest athlete I ever met, <laughs> but she was an incredible leader. I absolutely loved her on the team, mostly her leadership skills. It was more evident because we had such a young team, as you talked about, Becca. The kids would watch everything she did and mimic her. So when she was hustling her butt off on both ends of the court, that meant they needed to do the same. She showed the younger athletes what it meant to compete instead of play. She had the nickname Batman. (laughs) You could ask her about that. So... (laughs) I love his his rendition, but what's up with the Batman uh, nickname? (laughs) Trooper gave that to me because he thought I represented this quiet, like mistress person. um, But I always came out of the dark when I was needed. (laughs) Was his? Oh yeah, that sounds like him. You know, he's so so funny. you know, and he's he's certainly going through uh, his health challenges right now, and we're praying mm-hmm. and pulling for him. and And if there's anything he's got going for him, it's his humor, yes. and uh, uh, we all love and appreciate that. Unless you're the brunt of his humor. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, in closing, again, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, responsible because of the times that we live in. Uh, you know, uh, the social unrest and, and such, uh, we're all part of, uh, potentially division and, uh, and, uh, incidents. I know Wisconsin has had its share, uh, you know, what, what do you do as Becca Murray to try to be part of a solution uh, related to all this unrest and social injustice. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's something I just have to ask. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually here, I still live at my parents' house, but actually here we made signs in the window that say, be the change, be the difference. Um, and just getting out there and, speaking up for what you believe in. Um, I know I am a quieter person, 
Um, But this is important to me because, you know, specifically the racial thing, I have two young kids in my family that are biracial. So this is a very important thing to me uh, just because, you know, it's their future on the line and I want them to be respected and, you know, I want the world to be good to them. So it is very close to my heart with having those kids in my family and, you know, just speaking up for when you see something that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's, uh, that means a lot to hear you uh, say that. And, and we, we, we totally believe uh, what your heart is telling us. So, so in the end, uh, you know, we go to the polls, uh, we're responsible when we vote. Uh, and uh, so I want to encourage our listeners to uh, get out and vote. Yes, and uh, everybody has uh, a voice uh, through voting. Um, Becca, it's, it, it's been my honor. Uh, I've loved you for a very long time. Uh, the person first and the athlete second uh and uh, i uh can't thank you enough for coming home from a long day's work spending time with us and our listeners and uh so i want to uh is there anything you want to say in closing becca well i just want to thank you um i think it's awesome what you're doing with like the dk3 m3 which is always a blast and i'm sad that it wasn't able to happen this year yeah um and this like this is awesome that you're starting to do this podcast and stuff like that so thank you for always thinking of me and letting me be a part of your journey yeah you're you're more than welcome so all right uh ladies and gentlemen miss becca murray thanks for uh sharing yourself with us uh stay tuned for our next episode uh will be coming your way soon so All I can say right now is peace and uh, be a good person. Thank you. I'd like to thank Dromos Agency for their expert orchestration of this uh, podcast. Couldn't have done it without them. And Performax Wheelchairs, sweet ride.